My name is Ruth Blakely. And I'm Caroline Schwabi. And today we are experiencing wine Tuscany style. Yes. So all of those things you've seen on television, all of those movies, all of those books, oh, it is so true. I was just going to say, you've been there. Uh, yeah, a couple you of times. You can tell us more stories. It's so beautiful. Um, and I will easily get distracted by the art and the amazing history because it goes back to the Etruscans. And it's a place all of its own with the hills and it goes all the way to the coast. and the. I don't know who the Etruscans were. They were the pre-Tuscans. Thank you very much. That we'll makes just call sense. them that. All the history professors are going, oh, terrible. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. We're going to talk today, though, about Tuscan wine. So when you think of Tuscany, do you know where it is relatively in Italy? Uh, I I only know because I read my show notes that, <laughs> that it's about in the middle. It's kind of in the middle. It's kind of in the middle. So it's north of Umbria. So if you were going from Rome, you would go north up towards Florence. And Florence is the biggest city in Tuscany. And the second city of Tuscany is Siena. The people of Siena would not like being called the second city, but it is much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both beautiful, wonderful places. And for people who love to travel... Uh, and love wine and love food and love art and love history. It's pretty hard to beat. So when you were in Tuscany, did you travel all over the province? I have over over the various um, different trips. I've seen an awful lot of Tuscany. This time we didn't see quite as much, but we went to four villages, five villages, five beautiful. different villages. Yeah, it is beautiful. How many times have you been to Italy? Well, I've only been twice, but the last trip was a, well, this one was a long one too, but this one was um, more spread out. And more wine. (laughs) And more wine. So let's talk about some wine. Yes. So Tuscany is super hilly. And when you think of Tuscany, you should think of vineyards and some olive groves and beautiful nut trees. um, And and sunshine. That's what I think of. Sunshine. Under the Tuscan sun, mostly Mm -hmm. filmed in Cortona. Uh, And the views go on for days. But, I mean, to me, when I think of Tuscany, I think of those hills and I think of Tuscan wine. So when you think of wine from Tuscany, is there anything particularly that pops to your mind? To be honest, I'm learning so much as we experience wine together. So... I didn't no I I I think of Italian wine and so it's nice to know that there or to be learning about the different uh, regions and I know a little bit about French regions which we've also touched on but this uh, this is all new to me and I'm excited to learn uh, okay. well, and I'm excited to drink <laughs> what most people when they when they their first experience with Tuscan wine is almost always not always but almost always Chianti. Right. And when I was um, a very young woman, like everyone else, you know, I had one of those bottles that was in a basket. And in my first apartment, I had a candle of stuck course. in it. But you're, I, you might be maybe giving away the years that you were born, not the year in particular, but that was, I remember my parents having one of those bottles, like empty, <laughs> but in their storage room for. Affer. They still make them. 
they still make them hey you can st- i almost yeah. brought one today they're actually quite beautiful they're i mean they're just neat and interesting and i do remember the candle and all the wax dripping down that was such a cool thing for the 70s you had to have one of those it was it was now i did not have my own place in the 70s let's not make us that much older okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know chianti is a lot of different things so there are seven different regions in Canty, and we're not going to go through them all because people won't remember them all. But I what, won't remember them all. <laughs> but we, su- we do see from Rufina uh, quite a bit, and people will maybe recognize that name. But we also see most often Chianti Classico. So you'll see Chianti maybe $13, $14. Chianti Classico will be a little bit more Chianti Classico Reserva, a little bit more again. The thing about Chianti is that Straight ahead Chianti is very cheap. Chianti Classico, a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. Chianti Classico Reserva, a little bit more money again. And now they also have a new thing that started only in 2014 called Gran Selezione. All of the Italian people are going to just be wincing as <laughs> I pronounce these things badly. But you try. I do try. It's and I the do effort. You get the wine. effort. I love the wine and I do love the wine. <laughs> Good. Um, so yeah, so it, Chianti was a wine region for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, we're not going to get too too geeky about the rules, uh, other than to say that the rules used to be very strict around uh, what you could put into wines that were going to be labeled Chianti Classico or Chianti Classico Reserva, and that has created some change, some wonderful change in the Italian market. Doesn't Reserva usually mean that it's been aged a little bit longer? Absolutely. Or? It's been aged longer. Right. Okay. And that's that's all it means? Uh, the in, Gran in the Selec- case of yeah, Chianti in, Reserva? Uh, of the Reserva. The, with the Gran Selezione, it actually has to be from the estate. So anytime you see on an Italian wine label, Tenuta, Mm-hmm. That just means that it's that that means estate. So estate grown grapes, as opposed to grapes that are just grown by a neighborhood farmer w- where they're bought. And there is nothing wrong with those grapes. Those grapes can be amazing, but um, to but make, they are grown on the property of the uh, the winemaking estate. Right, exactly, okay. exactly. And so in the case of Tenuta Setaponti, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit later, this is this is um, wine that was grown on that actual estate. But we're going to start with a Chianti. So okay. when you think about a Chianti bottle, and I'm going to turn it around so Caroline can see it, it looks like a Bordeaux bottle. It's kind of straight up and down. Mm-hmm. But there is something that you would see on a Chianti Classico bottle. Do you recognize him? Well, I, I wouldn't have recognized him as a Chianti rooster, but he's a rooster. He's a black rooster, the Gallonero. Always black. Always black. Okay, cool. We're going to start with um, a wine today from uh, our friends at Antonori. So the Antonori family have been making wine in Tuscany for 26 generations. Unbelievable. It's, it's you know, people are gobsmacked. It's just... Um, well, it, it's a name even I recognize to Antonori. Yes. Am I saying it right? Absolutely. Okay. But it, it's just, I think it's a... It's a well, I mean, well, well established, obviously. 26 generations. They're That's huge. incredible. They're huge. They have, I think, eight estates, seven and, estates. And eight. several labels, too. They right? have multiple like, labels. Yeah. Exactly. And the one that we're drinking today is Peppoli. And we're drinking Peppoli because it is a Chianti Classico. So it's pretty much hits all of the notes that you would expect in a Sangiovese. 
So let's pick up our glass of peppery. So we are using uh, peppery. We are using our... It's fun to say, too. Uh, we're using our ISO tasting glasses. So they're a little bit smaller, about eight ounces. They're tulip-shaped as are most wine glasses, and that's to funnel the aroma up to your nose. Mm-hmm. So when you smell this, and if you give it a little swirl in your glass, that's why people swirl, is so that they can release the aroma. And it's a beautiful sort of, like, uh, uh, I would call it like almost a purple. It's a... It's it's pretty dark. It's it's I would call it a darker ruby, but it's... Um, it's a medium, medium weight grape. But, you know, a simple Chianti or a simple Chianti Classico is a wine that will go with so many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, medium weight, relatively high acid, mm-hmm. um, and usually red fruit. Normally you're going to get red fruit. And there's also kind of a brambly thing going on there that is really common and Antinori is trying to walk the line here between um, an old world style and a new world style. So I got to visit the place where they actually age the peppery and bottle it and all that kind of stuff. At Antinori. At Antinori. At their oh. very fancy new estate. I was at their older estate before. Uh, and it looks like something You're from so a... You're so lucky. Oh, I am very spoiled. They were, um, they were lovely to me. And thank you to the folks at Mark Anthony. Um, it was really a, a lovely day. We spent most of the day there. And uh, it's, a, it's, a re- it's a really nice visit for people that are going to Italy because it's only about a half hour outside of Florence mm-hmm. near the town of Bargino. And it's, uh, they built it in 2012. I think it just... It hasn't been open five years, I don't think. Oh, wow. And it's... So very, quite, it, very new. Very new. And I have never seen any um, commercial endeavor of any sort that was ever that clean. You could eat off the floor anywhere wow. you go. is amazing and huge. But in, in when they're making the peppery, one of the things that they're trying to not do is overwhelm it with oak. So you have rules around oak and Chianti. But if you're using new barrels or barriques then you're going to have a lot of oak. And when you have a lot of oak, that can overwhelm the fruit. Right. And the rule, Which is true of, of really any wine. Absolutely. Sometimes so, all you get is oak in the face, right? right. And, and nobody wants to suck on a two-by-four. So <laughs> to try and get some of these more classic aromas, they use large neutral barrels. So they meet... So, what? Oh, sorry, carry on. I... Right. So they use a, a large neutral barrel. And the whole idea being is that you're still aging it in oak and it's still aging. It's spending the time settling down, losing off some of the rough edges. And you will pick up some of the some of the oak, not too much of the tannin. But can you tell me what a neutral barrel is? Absolutely. So a neutral barrel is one that does not impart a whole lot of flavor. So it's not necessarily a new barrel. So a new barrel, a new small French oak barrel is going to impart a lot of of aroma and flavor. Right. And a neutral barrel, like this one, is large. You have a large volume. Um, It's not a new oak. So it doesn't have as much of an impact on the actual flavor of the wine. Thank you for that. And, and I think that, that um, it's, it's smart. It's smart because, you know, you, you have a, a, it's a simpler wine. Mm-hmm. And if I overwhelm it with oak, then that's all I'm going to taste. Right. Okay, and we're going to slurp a little bit so that we get all of those aromas. Mm-hmm. Well, f- my first impression 
just right off the bat is that I'm impressed at how soft it is. It's much softer than I was expecting expecting based on what I was smelling. Right. So I, I actually got um, quite a bit of tannin on the nose. And there is some tannin. It's there. But it's not overwhelming at all. And the, the flavor and the sensation is very soft and um, just coats coats the mouth and tongue really nicely. There's almost like a, I want to say, I want to say almost like a, a creaminess, but that's Almost. that's not yeah. a good descriptor. Well, it's just it uh, is relatively soft, and I think that the the Chianti of my youth, when I was you know not spending a lot of money on it, was a little bit harsh sometimes. Well, speaking of that, um, can you tell me what this bottle runs for? It 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 really kind of varies quite a lot, and it's between twenty and twenty five dollars Canadian, give or take. Um, but that's not a huge variation. No, no. I mean, well, uh, in the in the U.S., probably they're looking at about fifteen dollars. In the UK, mm-hmm. probably 10, 11 pounds. Okay. So it's um, it's it's not a very it's not a particularly expensive bottle. It's a step up from their Villa Antonori, mm-hmm. um, and it's just they make a lot of it. They do it extremely well. It's not meant to be aged a particularly long time. Right. Um, this one is from twenty fifteen. So twenty fifteen was almost. Uh, it was a miraculous growing season. Oh, in it tastes like it. <laughs> and and the whole idea behind a Chianti like this is it's pizza wine. It's great with yeah. spaghetti. You exactly. know, if I had a barbecued pork chop, it would still be fine. It actually, it's nice just to enjoy it like as it is as well, just to sip it in the backyard if you feel like it. But I think this is just a really <laughs> nice. Um, it's easy to drink. You don't have to have a, a huge interest in wine. It is a very, it's a very safe bottle for yes. people. I was going to say, if you're looking for a wine to take to your friends when they invite you over for the barbecue or the dinner, this would be perfect. Many years ago, uh, late 60s, early 1970s, a bunch of Italian winemakers were getting a little bit frustrated with those incredibly rigid rules because, you know, if they have a different kind of vintage, maybe they want to do 100% Sangiovese. Maybe they want to use <gasps> international grapes. What? Blasphemy, I know. <laughs> and so these guys, including Antonori, um, decided that they were going to, say, forget the rules. And they planted some Merlot and they planted Cabernet Franc and they planted Cabernet Sauvignon. This was premeditated breaking of the rules. It was very much. And so those wines had to be called Tavola, Vena Tavola, table wines. Ah. So which was the lowest possible classification, also the lowest level of taxation. Um, And so you had some of these incredible wines that were just table wines. So that's what they did. They went, they kind of snuck in through the back door. They came around the side door. And um, it's the credit to the, to the producers, the winemakers who made really extraordinary wine because it could have just died on the vine there, literally. Mm. But some of these wines, um, um, Antonori has Tignello and Celaya, and some of the other ones are that people might have heard of are Sasakaya and Misetto. These wines, they command hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Like Tignello is a little bit less. You know, it's, wow. And they started out as quote table wines, right? So Isn't the Italian government the foresight and the forethought. 
of, they, of these producers is is astounding. Actually, well, it's they were beautiful. they were very progressive. They went, yeah. you know, these rules are stifling us. We're not making the best wine that we could make based on the vineyards that we have. So, but let's, it took them twenty years to change the rules. Well, I think that they would have probably been fine staying as the Vina Tavola, but um, the Italian government realized that if they actually had a different classification, that they could they could tax them, they could charge fees. You know, tax them more. That makes and sense. And so they became uh, IGT. So those winemakers in Tuscany who decided they were going to break all the rules started making something called Super Tuscans. And I, I just love that that name. I know, it sounds amazing, right? <laughs> so there was a, a few very influential wine writers um, who, and I think Robert Parker is often credited with coining that phrase. I'm not sure if he did or not. But these wines, these extraordinarily beautifully made, um, often Bordeaux variety wines, got a lot of attention, started commanding huge um, dollars, won all kinds of awards, um, and really um, they've kind of brought Tuscany back into focus for elite wines. Uh, And it has been, you know, you're looking at 45, 50 years, uh, probably in the last 20 has when the price has really shot up, and they are extraordinary. And there are great wines being made. Um, using international varieties or local varieties all over Italy, but this well, that would be since they changed the rules then, right? Because that was early nineties, right? Right, exactly. You can you can you can make them anywhere. So this is it's been a big change. So our next wine is uh, really hard to say, and I almost didn't bring it because of that. Crognolo. So it's spelt C R O G N O L O, and it's from Tenuta Sette Ponte. So Tenuta means a state, Sette Seven, Ponte Bridge. So it's seven bridges a state. Yes. Anyway, so Tenuta Sette Ponte, uh, we'll call Cognolo um, a baby super Tuscan. And I call it a, a baby super Tuscan, which is she's, if you could see Caroline's face. <laughs> what are you talking about, I'm just woman? just like oxymoron, baby super. Anyway, tell me what a baby super tux, Tuscan is. A baby super Tuscan is really just less expensive. They're not, they don't, they don't have the same kind of cachet sometimes as the, as the heavy hitters, the big sluggers. Um, and this wine is, you know, certainly not in the uh, price category of Celaya, Sesakaya, Macedo. Last time I checked, Macedo was $850. Wow. That's for an Italian Merlot. So, yeah. So this is a little more accessible then. This is a little uh, bit more accessible. Exactly. But again, interestingly, um, and they change the blend slightly from year to year, their base grape is still Sangiovese. Good. So if the color is quite different, it's quite a bit darker. It's a lot darker. It's uh, it's heading towards. um, It is getting towards purple. Definitely. just it's still very beautiful. In fact, like where the peppery you could you could almost see through. This is there's there's no not much light come through, and um, I haven't given it a a whiff yet here. Well, let's give it a good sniff. And again, so we have the same primary grape, Sangiovese, and this is ten percent Merlot. And yet I'm getting smells- I'm getting a lot of way more berry, lots like, of yes. berry. So yeah, super super berry. Mm-hmm. And that would be the Merlot coming through. Maybe yeah. could be it, you know, could be the Merlot. The Merlot would give you some chocolate note maybe as well. And it's giving you some of the color. 
but I think it's just the quality of the grapes here mm. are just extraordinary. Um, I'm going to tell people this wine is usually under $40 Canadian. And to achieve the kind of recognition and score that this wine has um, consistently received over the years for that price point is very, very unusual. So this will often, we talked about scores, it will score into the mid-90s. Wow. So, you know, normally for a wine in the mid-90s, you'd be looking, you know, you're well over $100 and, you know, this is... This is, you know, uh, under forty. So. Under forty. Yeah. yeah. Um, just right off the the hop, um, I'm getting a lot of like blackberry and almost. I think I'm I'm getting a strawberry. Oh, absolutely, strawberry. It's gorgeous smelling. It is lovely, but it's like super ripe yeah. strawberries. Yeah. Or, or you know, if you've ever had strawberries that has a ha- that where you drizzle the balsamic vinegar over. Mm-hmm. I have had that. Right, and it's like so you good. get a little bit of that. Hmm. I'm going to take a sip. Mm. So bigger. Ooh, yes. When Lots I talk, bigger. <laughs> so when I talk about Much a bigger, sorry. big wine, right? So, what, yes. you know, I, I had somebody ask me the other day, what does that mean? What does big wine mean? And I think it's more about the intensity than anything else. Um, yes, what, because I just sort of interject, but um, it's still very soft. There's so many red... I have consumed several red wines that just... They, they're they almost harsh. Like, they... they. I guess the acidity is so high that, that they, almost, they almost feel like they're burning your mouth, where this is just so beautiful and soft. I'm getting almost a little bit of citrus in there, too. And it does have all of those things that make it a big wine. And what makes it a big wine is the intensity. It is also the complexity, right? So it's not just one note. It's not just strawberries. It's not just sour cherries. It's not just plums. It is all of those things plus almonds. I I'm, want to ask, I'm, I think I might have just like a, a hand of mushroom. Sure. It makes me think of, you know, when the ground is a little bit squishy and it, it's almost mossy, that fragrance. Yes. That smell that you experience and when you feel that. Right. And, and your feet kick up the leaves. And, and there is a little bit of that in this. And there is often, you will often find that aroma in, uh, it's more common in European wines, but you'll find it in some North American wines as well. Um, and it's, it's, um, I find it very pleasurable because, again, it evokes every wonderful walk in the woods that I've ever had. So I think that our wines today are pretty nice examples and very different examples of um, Sangiovese, which does grow other places. Even in even in Canada, there um, are a, some, not very many. Sangiovese is mostly grown in Italy. But lovely examples of Sangiovese, a simpler safe, delicious, fun, versatile versatile pizza or pasta wine in the Pepoli um, from the wonderful Antonoria State. And then this, um, you might have to look for it a little bit more, the Cragnolo, but it is is certainly available in um, most of Canada and much of the U.S. It's not a very big production, but it can be can be found. They sell out, of course. Um, 
And the, the Tenuta Setaponte does make other wines that are not necessarily so easy to find. So we, um, we, will, we will enjoy what we have. And if you think about this beautiful, beautiful wine with um, a classic Tuscan meal, which is uh, Bisteca Fiorentina. So people don't think of steak when they think of Italy, but a bistecca is like the world's largest T-bone. <laughs> I see. <laughs> uh, and would this not be just lovely with a great big juicy oh, yes. steak? Yes. And um, done medium rare. <laughs> I'll take mine rare. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Ruth Blakely, and I'm Caroline Schwabi. Thanks for listening.